Man of the year, man of the year, man of the year. Welcome to the number one friendship podcast in the country. I'm Aaron Cairo. I'm Matt Ritter. Make sure to go to manoftheyearpodcast.com to get our merch and go to YouTube to watch these videos online. Matt, we have a very special guest. It turns out we're not the only friendship experts in the world. What? I thought we were. I thought we were too. I thought we, we did any bit of research. Uh, right. So we, I thought we <laughs> did, we did the slightest bit of Googling. Just one Google. And it was like, oh, there are people who have been in this space a long time. Yeah. Wise people. Yeah. So our guest today is Kat Velos. She, I would say, is, um, I don't know, do you call it like uh, a, a leader in the space? A thought, thought leader. leader? A thought leader. Yeah. Um, and what I love about her, the interview is great. Is that we said, we said, oh, how should we introduce you? And she sent us exactly what to say. Amazing. So organized. More organized than Cairo, some might say. I, I know. I kind of you like. You respect it. I respect it. Or you're challenged. Oh, that's a great, that's a great. You're like, because you, you pride yourself on being the numero uno. I'll tell you what. At first, I was, I was, I was challenged. Yeah. Because I'm reactive. Yeah. But then, because I'm trying to Reflected be. Reflected and you go, wow, it's great. There are other people who think yes, like me. Yes, yes. If everyone was like this. So I was going to kind of uh, uh, vamp the bio, but I'm just going to read it. because Read like, it. Why she gave it, it to she us. She gave us three different versions. Let's give her the respect. Kat Velos is the go-to source for guidance about cultivating meaningful friendships and healthy workplace colleagueships, which never heard of mm. that word before. We got to talk about that. She's a speaker and author of the book, We Should Get Together. The Secret to Cultivating Better Friendships. Kat's writing is read in over 100 countries, and she's been interviewed by the New York Times, NPR, which, by the way, we've both been yeah. in, and more. Uh, and she was great. This was a great interview. You guys are going to learn a lot, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. All right, let's hear from Kat. Kat, we're so happy to have you here. Thank you so much. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. So we're so happy to have you because, you know, when we started this, we didn't even really know that there was a space of people that had been focusing on friendship and connection. You know, we just sort of stumbled into it because we're two guys that had this incredible friend group and we're like, hey, we know something about friendship. And, you know, now that we've been doing it over a year, you know, we've met some amazing people or just read about some amazing people. And you were one of the people that we kept kind of running into reading about just kind of, I've just been following you along. I feel like we've been kind of stalking you in the background. So I'm glad we're finally making it official. Amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, I, you know, there are so many people who are doing stuff in the friendships and connection space. And it's really amazing to see because when I first started doing this work back 2015, there wasn't a whole lot out there. And now it feels like every other week, there's like somebody else who's like doing articles or books about it or podcasts. Like, so it's really awesome to meet you, to connect with you. I'm excited about it. I enjoyed the show I've listened to before and I'm really excited for today. So Kat, I want to talk about your, and, and I, I, would you use the term, is it a workshop here we should get together events? Like, what do you, do you say workshop, get together? I want to make sure we're, we got it right. Yeah, it's a combination of a workshop and a platonic matchmaking event. Oh, okay. Wow. So it's funny because we were looking at, um, you know, your your next one, which, which we'll say side note, this is going to come out after that. So if you want us to you know, promote something. But Matt was making fun of me because this thing says, oh, child free, 30s or 40s, little creative. Those are the, uh, you know, the, the, the people you're looking for. I'm like, oh, that kind of describes me. Um, but are they all, are these workshops, platonic matchmaking, are they all 
a different kind of person? Are there ones for people with kids, not kids? So what, so I've been running this event for the last two, almost three years. And the, every other time that I've done it, it's just open to adults over 18, right? Mm. Adults who want to make friends. And I have a whole uh, profile. I have folks fill out. I have a proprietary blend of science and magic that I use to make the matchmaking uh, assignments. And so when I've run the event previously, as I said, it's been open to all over. I've had mostly folks in the U.S., some folks outside of the U.S., folks of all ages, all walks of life, parents, non-parents, nerdy, not nerdy, whatever, creative, not creative. And I and I still did it with like the whole shebang. What was happening in the last several months was I had many, many millennials and Gen Xers who are child-free saying, I want to meet child-free friends. Like it is a significant impact on my life that my friends all had kids and they fell off the face of the earth. I want to make friends with other people who don't have kids. And so I was like, okay, let's do an event specifically for you. And so that is why this event has those criteria. It's not because I'm biased against everybody else. It's because I literally had this audience saying to me, holy crap, like, can we please have an event where we can meet each other? And can you match us up? And I was like, yeah. I can totally do that. And so it's just like uh, applying any kind of like filtering criteria to create a specialized version of an existing event and workshop. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's great too, because I've been trying to get rid of Cairo now that I have a child. And, <laughs> oh, he's got a child. Matt's yeah. got a child. Oh, he didn't, yeah. answer, he didn't mention it five so minutes we have into to foist him. Oh. So we need to foist him on some strangers. So this wow. is great. You know he had a child? Great. Yes. Anybody have a child. Um, <laughs> what, are these, what do you do about um, geographics? Like, are these people all in the same area? The event is intended for people who are open to making friends anywhere. And with that said, if there are people that you match with that are local to you, of course, I will match you with each other. Sometimes what happens is the people who are nearest to you geographically, you're not compatible with at all who join. And so you might be compatible with someone who's in another state. But if you are both open to making friends in another state, then great, you will probably be matched with each other. This happened at the last event where I had someone who was on the East Coast, someone who was on the West Coast. Um, and of course, like most people, they prefer to have a friend who's in their town or in their state. And they're also have an open mind to being like, I'm also open to meeting other people in other places because let's get real in adult in adulthood, 90% of our friends move every two years anyways. And so I matched them with each other, despite the fact that they were on the same opposite coast. They came back from their breakout room being like, holy shit, we are best friends. We just became best friends in 10 minutes. And I was like, I know. And this is why I say, keep an open mind to being matched with somebody who might be in another location than you. Because if I only match with the people who are nearest you, you might actually not have anything in common with them. So I do a mix of both. And I try to optimize for optimum compatibility, as well as the preferences for geographic location that people state they have. Are you finding, you know, I'm just curious because we, we talk to people, our listeners are all different ages. Like, are you finding there are different issues with making friends with the millennials versus some of the older people? Or is it, are you finding it's pretty much the same issues? Well, it's a little bit different. So folks in their early adulthood years tend to have similar like stage of life. They're learning how to do their adulting. They're in this very exploratory phase. They maybe want to go out more often. They want to party more often. That's really different than somebody who's in their middle adulthood years, who's like maybe more focused on their career, a serious relationship. Maybe they've become parents. And that's really different than like empty nesters or people who like never had kids, but they're older and they have different needs 
because they're at a different stage of life. So they maybe are looking for fewer quantity, but deeper quality friendships, right? Whereas like maybe someone who's 23 is just, I'm going to be friends with everybody, right? And so there are different needs. And I take all of that into consideration and how I match people. And I, and like I said, I also do a really in-depth profile with each person to really get to know them and understand what their needs and desires and boundaries and constraints are so that they can most efficiently be matched with the people that they're likely to have friendships that stick with. And can you get matched with multiple people? Absolutely. You do get matched with multiple people. And there's got to be people who are super gregarious and friendly and nice, who everybody wants to be friends with, and then more introverted people who maybe people wouldn't notice right away. There's a mix of introverts and extroverts. I'm pretty open on my social and in my book about the fact that I'm an introvert. I tend to attract a lot of introverts to my gatherings and events. I've been running another community group called Connection Club for the last three years. And it's been that majority of introverts in that uh, over the last three years, which is pretty interesting because people say, oh, like it's physically impossible to like gather introverts. You never get a group of introverts together. It's like, yeah, you can if you offer them the thing that meets their needs and helps them feel safe and comfortable. And so the gathering, like I said, it's not just for introverts. It's not just for extroverts, it's for anybody. And that is one of the questions I ask is really getting a sense of what their personality is, how they like to connect with people and ensuring that they are then connected to the people that are the best fit for them. So we haven't done an introverts episode per se, and we've sort of had a curiosity about how introverts interact with respect to making new friends you know, you, you, you gather them, right? But is there something different that you sort of need to set up in terms of the way that, you know, somebody like me, you put me in a room, a speed friendship thing, like I'm just going to go out there and whatever, be overly friendly. And that's just my style. Like, I'm just curious how you've sort of navigated to get introverts over some of those sort of hurdles of how they interact in, in settings. Yeah. And I'll open by kind of debunking some of the myths about introverts here. So one of the myths about introverts is that we are universally shy. Shyness and introversion are two different traits. And not every introvert is shy. And not every person who's shy is an introvert. I have actually met shy extroverts before. I'm an introvert. I am not shy at all. I love to talk to people. I feel pretty confident walking up to a stranger and chatting them up. Uh, that's different than introversion, which typically has to do with like how your energy is drained and replenished, right? So my energy, despite the fact that I love connecting with people and interacting, my energy is really drained from interaction, whereas extroverts tend to get more energy the more they interact with people. After I am with a group of people, uh, I often need a lot of time to recharge in solitude. And so that's also a very common introvert trait. And so it doesn't mean we don't like people, but that is the way we replug in our battery and charge it up. And so when it comes to designing spaces where introverts will feel comfortable and at ease, there's a number of things that also frequently help us. So one of them, which you might remember from how we were prepping for the call today, I was like, can you send me a bullet list of different themes you might want to talk about? Like introverts right. like to mentally prepare for what they're going to go into. Which we did Whereas a terrible <laughs> job of doing. Sorry. <laughs> and extroverts are usually more okay kind of winging it on the fly, need no prep, need no mental preparation. Introverts need that processing time ahead of time. The other thing is introverts typically like to process internally and then share their thoughts once they've had some time to process that inside their own head. Extroverts frequently think with their mouth. They clarify what they think while they're talking. And so making sure that there's time for introverts to have a little bit of thinking time before they go into, say, a breakout or a question time or conversation time is 
deeply helpful to help introverts feel safe and secure and prepared to go into that social interaction. Whereas extroverts are just like, whatever, I'll figure it out while I'm talking. And that's really, really different. So those are a few of the like common myths about introverts and ways that for anyone who's listening or for you guys, if you want to help introverts feel more prepared, more ready, more secure, more cared about, like those are things that you can do that will really help introverts feel at ease. And the other thing I should note is like studies have been done around how much introverts and extroverts talk in conversation. In a one-on-one conversation, introverts take up just about 50% of the conversation as well, assuming the extrovert doesn't totally steamroll them and like hog up all the airspace. But in a one-on-one conversation, it's not that introverts don't want to participate, and it's frequently easier for them to participate in a one-on-one or in a small group like three. In a large group like six, seven, or eight, most of the introverts are going to hang back, observe more, and end up participating less. And often that's because maybe they're outnumbered by extroverts who are then talking and eating up all the airspace and not really leaving any gaps for an introvert to then be like, uh, I want to add something here. So when you're in a big group, if you're an extrovert, something really kind that you can do for your introvert or friends is to call on them. Say like, oh, what about you, uh, Aaron? I want to hear what you have to say. Or what about you, Bobby? Like, let me know what you're thinking. Because they're usually thinking and there's a lot that they have to add, but sometimes there isn't space for them to get into the conversation. I've noticed people do that. And I'm always like, uh, when I see people do that, I'm like, oh, that's so good of them to do that. Like when I sometimes <laughs> watch people in social dynamics do that, where, where they're like kind of call on the introvert. And I'm like, oh, that is such a kind and thoughtful social behavior. Yeah. You know, like I want to incorporate that in my deal because I I feel, you know, like I'm loud and gregarious, but then I, you know, I always want to be cognizant of feeling like I'm not, I'm definitely like, oh, I don't want to steamroll because I know I can. I know I have a tendency to do that, you know? Yeah. I have um, I have ten thousand questions. Um, we let's do it. I love questions. Let's do it. Well, Matt and I, by the way, we were just talking about we have we, we're we're underrepresented in introverts, so we've never discussed any of this before. So, okay, I'm trying to wrap my head around shyness and introverts. Mm-hmm. So, if we are, you know, sometimes we we ha- we tell our men to find their third place. So go to the same place, the same time every day, every week, the dog park, the bar, whatever. Okay, once they're in their third place, yeah. you eventually start to see some familiar faces. You may even check up a conversation. But you're saying that some – you could be shy, which you might not just talk to the guy next to you at the bar. Hey, great, great, great play. But mm-hmm. that's different than an introvert going to the bar who – how is that different? I guess I'm I'm still trying to figure out the definition of shy and introvert if as far as talking to a random person. Yeah, I would uh, define shyness as feeling some level of hesitation or discomfort or it's not exactly social anxiety, but it's just a little bit of reticence to open up and really needing perhaps to be like really warmed up before they'll come out of their shell. Where but an introvert in that situation who's not shy would do what? They'd probably be just kind of like how I am with you today, which is like, I'm totally open to the conversation. I'm totally open to connecting with you. I'm totally open to sharing my thoughts. I don't feel any hesitation or discomfort around connecting with you. There's nothing really holding me back. But my introversion, again, isn't a uh, personality trait so much as an internal energy management and preference mm. trait. It's it's the, it's, yeah, 
That I'm so glad you're asking because this is often a thing that is a, is a frequent myth about introverts is that we're all shy. And that is absolutely not true. Most of the introverts I know, many of whom are my friends, once they're warmed up or comfortable with the people around them, sometimes you can't shut them up. <laughs> right. Right. Well, well kind of just sounds like they're not even related introversion and shyness or introversion could lead to shyness. Well, I think that shyness is often interpreted as introversion and vice versa. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh, my, yeah. mind is, my mind is blown. I, I wanted to ask, you know, our podcast is about making friends, but also maintaining friendship. And we talk a lot about how, you know, you can get to this place where you're starting to make a friend. How do you level up? And I, you know, when we yeah. have people like you come on the pod, I want to make sure our audience gets some of the good stuff of like, oh, okay, I want to, I want to remember some of these tips that I'm getting from, from Kat, you know? So, you know, do you have any thoughts on just things you've learned of, of like after they've, you know, after they've attended your seminar and they've met somebody and they've connected, like, you know, I, I feel like often, you know, we're now we're same thing with us. Like if we've had people make friends, then we're sending them off. And it's like, I want to make sure that they, have the tools to get to that next level, which is what I think they ultimately want, want isn't just like most people don't just want a, a friend. They want a quality friendship that has depth to it. So, you know, do you have any sort of advice for people after they've just made that friend of like, what is the next thing or things to keep in mind? Yeah. So one of the examples that I talk about in the book comes from the research of Dr. Jeffrey Hall at University of Kansas, and it looks at the number of hours it takes to turn a stranger into a best friend. Uh, to go from a stranger to like a casual friend, good friend, takes about 30-ish hours, 30 to 40 hours. To become a best friend takes between 90 and 200 hours. And that can't be dragged out over the whole span of your life. It can't be like 90 hours <laughs> over 90 years. It needs right. to be like pretty freaking compressed. We made up one hour a year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And so you need to have that typically within the first several weeks or months of meeting each other. Oh, otherwise, yeah, otherwise it often fizzles out and fades away, which is what so many adults experience. It's like, oh, I met somebody so cool. They're awesome. We traded numbers and nothing happened, right? Well, it does have to be kind of hot and heavy. It's got to be hot and heavy at the beginning. And guess what? This every probably I'm going to guess here. Possibly 100 percent of people who have ever had a super hot crush that they started dating knows that when things are new and the novelty is high and the shininess is high, you will make time to fit that person into your life and you will see them and talk to them constantly, right? And you can do the same thing in a platonic way with your friendships as well. And guess what? Part of the reason what helps people fall in love with each other is because they are spending so much time together and you can fall in friendship with each other if you actually invest in spending a bunch more time with each other as soon as possible in that friendship. It doesn't mean you turn into a stalker. It doesn't mean that you never take room to breathe, but it does mean that the more likely you are to spend time with each other, connecting, sharing activities, building memories, Early on in that friendship, the much more likely it is to stick. One of the people that I uh, interviewed in the book, she answered that I did a friendship survey when I was working on the book, learning about what are the things that worked and didn't work for people in their friendships. And this one woman had like the highest scores for satisfaction in her friendships. And so I interviewed her to find out why. One of the things that she does that's really different is that when she has a new friend and the novelty is high and it's like, ooh, this is so sparkly and shiny and I want to keep it, she will try to find a way to fit that person into her life over the next upcoming week or two as as much as she possibly can. So when they finish hanging out and the person says, hey, we should get together again. When do you want to hang out? She'll be like, I don't know, tomorrow. And normal people, like regular people, 
don't do that. They think they have to wait. Oh, let's look out a few weeks in the calendar. Oh, maybe we'll get a coffee in September. And it's like, she's like, no, tomorrow I have tennis. Do you want to come with me to the tennis? Oh, I have to go to the grocery store on Wednesday. Do you want to come with me to the grocery store? Like she will find ways to fit people into the things that she is already doing in her life to make herself available. And that's one of the reasons why her friendships stick and why they take off so quickly. That's so great because you just validated a thought that I had and we yeah. expressed it in our last pod that we recorded earlier today because we had a question from somebody who was worried about those sort of unwritten rules of yeah. should I wait, should I not? And I say, Why? no, <laughs> if you're feeling that you want to hang out with this person, and I've always said this, maintain it. If you're seeing a friend in a week, but you want to call them now, or you yeah. want to them, just do it. You don't even know yeah. if you're going to be alive next week. Yeah. Like, seriously. Seriously. There's no reason why we have to artificially wait if the mutual enthusiasm is actually there to hang out sooner or to talk the next day or to pick up the conversation, you know, in a day or two. I love that. Or tonight or whatever, right? Yeah, I love that fallen friendship. I love that. That's a great, that's a great term. Thanks. Yeah. My, I'm still reeling about this introverted shy thing. I think the next time I meet a shy extrovert, Caro, I'm going to be like, Caro, I got someone for you to talk to. Please, this please. is a shy well, extrovert. Well, Caro's got to go. He's got to go to that 30s and 40s millennial no kids thing. The next time well, yeah, but on. it's not for, it's for platonic. And I'll call, I'll go in there non-platonic. And that's not, uh -oh. that's not what they're uh -oh. looking for. Uh -oh. um, wait, Kat, can you diagnose me? Because <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I... How I many hours do we have? <laughs> 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 I I call myself maybe I'm using the wrong term is an anti-social extrovert, um, <laughs> meaning that I don't really typically want to hang out. I, I often will turn down plans, but when I go, I'm like the life of the party, and everyone has a great time. So where where do I fit in your rubric? Well. What you're describing has less... Okay, when you're at the party and you're the life of the party, are you gaining energy from being there? Is yeah, it lighting you up? I would say yes. Okay. You sound like an extrovert then. Um, so, and as far as the antisocial part, maybe you have perfectly diagnosed yourself. Maybe you are a socially hesitant extrovert. Um, maybe you are a selectively social extrovert. Um, are there times... Let me ask you this question. Are there times when you get an invitation to go to something and as soon as you hear it, you're like, hell yeah, I'm going to be there? Yes. Where you I'm don't also, feel that hesitation? Okay. But it's often, very often I go, hell no. Okay. That's, that's very binary. What's the difference between the hell yes and the hell no's? Wow, that's a great question. I mean, like, who's going to be there? How far is it? You know, <laughs> is there going to be booze? Are there going to be, are there going to be single women? Mostly. <laughs> so, okay. It sounds like you're selectively social, which makes you probably very normal. Most people have some things that fall into the hell yeah or the hell no. And that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It doesn't mean you need right. a diagnosis around it. But right. it sounds like you are clear, like in less than 10 seconds, you could describe to me what's a hell yeah for you. And so yeah. maybe what the times when you just don't want to go, you're just getting your hell no invitations. <laughs> Um, it's, this is crazy because I wrote like a blog post uh -huh. called selectively social March, oh! March, 2011. Amazing. Wow. wow. So cat, you, wow. you fucking know what you're talking wow. about. Wow. <laughs> uh, cat, I wanted to get into, so, you know, I would say a majority of our listeners are men 
Um, first off, you know, are you, you know, there's all these studies that have come out that men mm -hmm. are particularly struggling with connecting yeah. and how, you know, I'm sure you know all the stats, you know, not to regurgitate all of them, but are, you know, are you finding that to be the case in your experience? Is it um, as extreme as, you know, we sort of are seeing in the news and, if so, you know, what is your sort of thought on what is, you know, what is the primary driver of it? And, you know, what do you think men need to be doing differently if, if, if it's okay to generalize? Because it's what we've been sort of doing on our pod. Yeah, uh, I'm really glad you brought this up. And I also like really, really appreciate both of you for the work that you're doing to bring the conversation around friendship to men, because we absolutely need it. We need it so, so badly. So thank you for what you do. And um, also thank you for the episode around can men and women be friends, which by the way, I loved, I loved it. Oh, and it cool. made me think about a lot of the guys that I am friends with and some of my best friends are guys too. So that was amazing. Um, and with that said, I, I think that in this question, you're not asking how can men form more friends with women. You're asking how can men form more friends with men. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So here, there's a number of different challenges. And unfortunately, we live in a society that has made it hard for men to be emotionally available to other men. We ha live in a society that punishes boys and men for showing emotions, for being sensitive, for expressing their feelings, for expressing um, their wishes to be closer to anyone who's not the opposite gender. And so that's pretty effed up. And those things need to change on a systemic level across our entire society. And in individual lives, there are things that guys can do to adjust that as well. You can disrupt that cycle in your own life and your, the behaviors that you bring to the guys that you know and the ways that you interact. So uh, kind of like be the change model is like, if you want it to be different, start doing that thing that's different. You know, if you want to be able to have more open hearted conversations with your guy friends, be like, Hey guys, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to get a little mushy now, but I want to talk about feelings the next time we get together. Can we do that? One amazing example of this that I saw is a, a, a acquaintance of mine. He's a coach for men. And he recently posted on his Instagram, um, a post that said, are there any guys who would be interested in spending a weekend together? And the only things we're allowed to talk about are our feelings, our careers, and our relationships. If you're interested, comment below. And I was like, fuck yeah. I was like, yes, we need more of this. We need invitations that let guys know it is okay to talk about these things. There will be time and space to talk about these things. It will not be weird or unusual or weak or anything to say, all right, I want to talk about my feelings right now. Or here's the thing that I'm really struggling with in my relationship, you know, and to bring that up and talk about it. And the courage it takes to extend an invitation like that, I think we need many, many more examples and practices of that courage. You know, my TEDx talk is about the power of invitation and how extending an invitation has the power to not only change your life, but the life of every single person who receives it. And we need more guys making brave invitations like that to other guys. I love that. And you know, it's, it's funny. We, we accidentally kind of stumbled into at the end of every podcast, we tell each other we, we love each other. Yeah. And now I, like all of my friends call me and end our phone calls like that. They go, I love you, buddy. And like, it's just caught on because we've made it okay to yeah. we've normalized that and it's just like you know this invitation to be you know Kira and I have definitely made the art our, our, known in our circle but I like the idea of making it you know sort of a little more formalizing the that idea that it's this is what it's going to be when we get together so it doesn't also feel like a curveball because we, yeah. we we did this episode where I was like there's a time and place like 
if you're with your buddies at a bachelor party and you just start spilling your guts while everybody's wasted and they're watching sports, you may get made fun of and never want to do it again. Because that's not like the right sort of moment for that to happen. So why do you always do that, Matt? Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm I'm tired, you know? He starts to weep. He starts to weep. Because when I'm up for 48 hours, I get... But before we let you go, um, you know, I just wanted to just kind of talk about if there were any other sort of tips that we could arm men with other than the vulnerability of it all, because mm-hmm. I feel like that's one piece of it. You know, do you, do you think there's like another sort of component that men are kind of missing in, in terms of just this friendship, you know, building aspect? If I, if I could say anything to all the guys listening who do want these closer friendships, who do want to have the bromances, who do want to like form their squad. I would say if there's anything holding you back because you think the guys around you don't want it, that's not true. So it's worth making the effort to extend it and worrying less about what people think about you because chances are the other people who are on the receiving end of that invitation are probably wishing for it, silently wishing and craving it and don't know how to get it met. So I would say have the courage to reach out and extend it. That's the number one thing I took away from researching the book and writing it is that there are so many millions of people who want to have this conversation and no one's inviting them to the conversation. And even if you just simply say, you don't have to say like, oh, I want to form a vulnerability circle with all these guys or whatever. You can just be like, I read this interesting book about friendship or I listened to this interesting podcast about friendship. Will you check it out? And can we talk about it? You know, like inviting the guys you want to connect with to connect with you around that piece of content can make it a, a really easy segue to the conversation. I love that. And and we should say, and you should check out her book, We Should Get Together. And uh, I wanted, before we go, to give you the floor to tell people how they could connect with you. Thank you so much. So, of course, my book is We Should Get Together, The Secret to Cultivating Better Friendships. Um, at my website, we should get together.com, folks can also hop on my newsletter where I regularly share invitations to gatherings where you meet other people who care about friendship as well as inspiration to make your friendship stronger. Uh, I also have like events that I have coming up. So as we talked about, I have here to make friends, which happens periodically. So if you want to get on the wait list for that, that's fine. But I have ongoing workshops and stuff all the time. So hop on there, check out the upcoming events. And as I mentioned earlier, Connection Club is something that I run, which is a club for adults who want to improve their friendships and community in their life. And they don't want to feel like they're doing it all by themselves. So we get together, we talk about what your individual goals are. For some people, it's making new friends after a move or something like that. For other folks, it's forming a squad. For other folks, it's getting more comfortable hosting gatherings. Whatever your goal is, bring it. We'll workshop it together. You'll meet other people who are doing similar things to gain inspiration and momentum from. It's a really beautiful, sweet vibe. Awesome. Um, thank you so much, Carol. you have anything to add? Kat, you're the best. You've changed my life. I have follow questions. I'll hit you up offline. <laughs> Thank you so much. Wow. That was great. Yes. That right. was awesome. I would say the one part that I really loved was she used this term fall in friendship. And I think we've all felt what she described, but we've actually never talked about it. She said, you really have to level up quickly. And I think, tell me if you agree, you have these moments where you know you want to be friends with somebody and you just kind of let it linger and then it never happens. Yeah. And I think she just explained why. You know, what's funny is that during the interview, I actually, you guys were talking about this and I kind of missed, I didn't understand the plan words 
fall in friendship mm, as opposed to fall in love. Yeah. I thought you meant a fallen friendship. Oh, no, no. Fall in friendship. Like, like an archangel oh, or something. Yeah, not yeah. fallen. Yeah, yeah. 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 Because I think it was an apt analogy. You got. I said you got to get hot and heavy. Well, I know why you like it because you love to romanticize friendships. Yes. You say I don't do it enough. Yeah, and I think I just, of course, I'm, this is validating me, right? right of course, I right. like it because it's validating me. Right. And what did you think about her definitions of introvert, extrovert, shyness? Well, that was also new and surprising and I think enlightening because I do believe many of us just lump shy and extrovert into, we smush them. We smush yeah. them together. I'm still trying to get around a shy extrovert. It would be what? Someone who derives someone who gets energy from being around people, yeah. but doesn't. Don't quiz me, bro. <laughs> I don't know since we don't know any shy people, it's very hard for us yeah, to we like. We do know shy people. We do. I do. I do know some shy. You people. know some shy's. Yeah. Some shy. Oh, actually, Theo. I would classify myself as a shy person to some extent. Yeah. Are you a shy extrovert? Well. He didn't listen to the interview yet, so he doesn't know. Oh, he has no idea. <laughs> Do we have to like bring him around? To no, the say an, an, an introvert is someone who uh, social situations are very draining, and an extrovert is someone who derives energy. Yeah, I get high. I mean, yeah. I literally snort my encounters. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to guess that Theo is probably just a shy introvert. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. My dad calls himself an extroverted introvert, where like he needs to recharge by being alone. But he does like to be around people. He is extroverted. So maybe he is an introvert, but he's not shy. That's what she was talking about too. The other thing, which is that introverts get drained by it, but that doesn't mean that they are, right. are afraid of it or feel timid around it. It's just the, the battery recharge. I wonder if your dad is like me, because I consider myself an antisocial extrovert, where I love being around people. No, when I'm around people, I like it, but I, you know, yeah. I do it selectively. But I also don't totally agree with the charging of it all because I get high off of it and then I crash so hard. Like after, <laughs> after you go on stage and you just stand up. Oh, yeah. Like you're so on a high, but then they come down. I think that's probably still con considered extrovert. Yeah. I'm just saying, I just don't right. like that. You know, I don't, I don't, I, I think I also need to recharge heavily after big social encounters too, but that doesn't make me an introvert. Yeah. Um, also, I just want to mention she does these seminars. Yes. To which we talked about. Maybe we should get Theo in one of these seminars. We got to get Theo in. We got to get Theo to... Yeah, we, let's, let's get Theo Grant into Wait, one of Wait, is Theo going to be one of those guys we talk about 20 years from now, he's married to his now girlfriend, and she's going to be like, oh, he's got no friends, he sits around the house. I mean, then we would have failed so miserably <laughs> if producer Theo... I mean, he already has a thriving friend circle, so that, that would mean a lot of things. But Theo, in the, the past one year since you've known us, have you made any new friends? I haven't leveled up many new friends. You haven't okay. fallen in friendship with anyone. I have not fallen in friendship in the past year. Okay. But I think part of that reason is that a lot of people haven't, and I, I'm guilty of it too at the neighborhood. Remember I said I wanted to kind of form more- PCE, you have pillar of the community pillar energy. Pillar of community energy. <laughs> and I'm just realizing I let a few of them linger that I want to level up now quickly. I want to do some things with them and get to that level because there are a few people in the neighborhood I really like, but I got to do it quickly because I feel a clock is now ticking on it. Right, right. Because if you don't, if you don't go from acquaintance of friend or friend to good friend, it's just we're just gonna be lingering as neighborhood buddies. Right. Be careful what you wish for. Too many neighborhood people, but you want that. You want to walk around. Hey, Matt. This morning I had a teacher from the neighborhood come up to me and go, "I just want you to know I've been watching you with your son 
every morning for the past few months. And it's really creepy. Yeah, no, it was nice. It was sweet. It was I great. thought you were going to say, there's a problem with school versus on that side. Is how old is he? Six months. He's so biting other kids. No, no, I was going to say, a couple of these high school hooligans are into fights. I heard you were a pillar of the community. Uh, come talk oh, we want them. you to come do yeah. a speech? Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, stare, scared straight? No, I heard you shut down that party the other night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you need an enforcer. PCE, I love that. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was really enlightening. Again, I feel we're still learning all the time, and it's great to have other people in this friendship expert space to build out this notion to just foster the idea that it's not okay for people to be alone, especially men. Do you think we could become pillars of the friendship expert community? Aren't we? Aren't we? Haven't we? We're now like BFFs with all the other ones. Are there any like friend cons? Ooh. <laughs> you know what I love about cons? Matt is they're making great the, uh, con. the money. The money. Yeah, they're a great money grab. No, people love them though. I know, but they're also a great cash grab. Yeah, but grab. grab yeah, grab, grab implies that it's a scam. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm joking, but I do think friend con. What would that? What would? What would that be? There would be mixers. <sighs> yeah. There would be speakers. Yep. Friends reunion. They probably can't afford yeah, that. We watch, and then we all watch. We just watch episodes of. We we'll just watch it together. Yeah. It's a good idea. Yeah, friend con. I think we could come up with a better name. Community con, com con. Con con. Pal, pal con. Pal con. Yeah. Buddy con. Yeah. Uh, Modi con. Man of the con. Man of the con. Man of the con. Con of the year. Con of the year. Convention of the year. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Anyway, uh, I thought it was a great episode, a great interview with her. And um, yeah, I just want to talk to more people in the space. I feel like the more we build out, it's a rising tide lifts all ships kind of thing too. Uh, I, I say rising tide lifts all boats. You go ships? Yeah, it's cleaner. Cat's <laughs> uh, website is we should get together.com, which is a great URL, which we should have grabbed. Mm-hmm. But before mm-hmm. we even knew this was a thing she had. Yeah. Um, so check out her seminars, check out her books, check out Cat. She's the best. Thank you, Cat. Thank you, Cat. And that's our show. Thank you one more time, Cat. Thank you so much for coming on and putting up with us. Be good to yourself, be good to your friends. Love, Love you, buddy. buddy.